Welcome to the GRC Professional Podcast, where we discuss all things GRC. Welcome to the GRC Professional Podcast. My name is Kwame Slesher. I'm the editor of the GRC Professional Online and the GRC Professional Magazine. And today, once again, we have with us Managing Director Naomi Burley. Hello. So today we're going to sort of kind of an announcement, kind of looking deeper into one of the critical issues, which I think is non-financial risks. I mean, obviously, we saw some report come out. We saw a report come from APRA, not entitled non-financial risks, but there were some implications there. And then, of yep. course, ASIC brought a report that explicitly looked at non-financial risks. Um, so we thought at the GRCA that we would um, look a bit more deeply into this, and I think we were planning to have a bit of a series. Can you talk a bit more about that, Naomi? Look, I think it's um, I think this is something that uh, compliance and risk professionals have been talking about for a number of years, but using different language for it. Yeah. And I think both the APRA and the ASIC report have been really useful to consolidate the language that um, they're going to use with boards. Um, And I think that really, really helps the case for compliance. It's been a continuing theme for conferences for the past 20 years that we've run around getting board attention, um, trying to get them to understand your critical messages, not having your reports filtered into a single line condensation um, by someone else before it gets to the board. All those kinds of key messages that, that um, our members have been trying to communicate to boards and both APRA and ASIC have said very, very clearly that um, the maturity in this non-financial risk space, which which ASIC have very clearly outlined as conduct and compliance risk, yep. um, need to be better handled by boards. And it's, you know, it's a very welcome message as far as I'm concerned. And I guess a lot of it feeds into a lot of the reports we've been seeing over the years before about that conversation of the cost of non-compliance. So I guess we can look into the cost of non-financial risks, and as you s- said before... Well, that's right. That's yeah. that's one of the useful things. The, the Royal Commission, all aside, I mean, everyone's been using this as a tool, but a lot of the things that have arisen out of a lot of the remediation activities that have, that have been actioned with a bit more alacrity than they would have otherwise, and some of them were already in play, are not a result of the Royal Commission. They're a result of poor behaviour that happened that was illegal at the time. That Let's face it, it just wasn't compliant, and... Those institutions shouldn't have done it. And in some instances, they recognised that and already had plans underway, but they were moving at a glacial pace. Um, and that's, you know, that has contributed to uh, a Royal Commission occurring. So, you know, we're in that space of looking at those costs. And the, the funny thing is, for something that's labelled a non-financial risk, they've got some very clear costs. And that, that's even what ASIC says in, the, in um, James Shipton's uh, introduction to the report. They've got a very real financial cost, but we're going to call them non-financial risks ongoingly because if you manage them, they don't have a cost. Um, and so it's this whole... The, the If you want to run a business, there are certain costs to doing it. We all acknowledge that, you know, whether it's rent, whether it's employees, whatever it is. One of those things that has been fought against for many, many years is having to pay for good compliance and risk professionals to run your business. And both of these reports very clearly say it's just a cost of business. Get on with it. Deal with the reality of it. What they're also now seems to highlight in these in these last two reports, and you know something that I've been having conversations with lots of members about, and and um, th- via members to their boards, is that I really think the reality is for boards is that they are going to have to double the time they spend in board meetings. Mm. They're going to have to devote as much energy 
to managing these risks in terms of getting adequate reporting and spending time considering those reports and debating them and understanding them and doing their own professional development um, and they can no longer simply worry about fiduciary duty. Yeah, it's interesting to say that, you know, obviously before the bear um, was sort of ratified into law, you know, there was that sort of conversation of tone from the top and it's not good enough for directors to just say, oh, they didn't know this was happening in their organisation. And we had that really interesting international example of Wells Fargo and that sort of systemic issue that directors claimed they had no idea was going on. So, yeah, so I guess now that we have something in law and it's expected to be expanded and to be shared with ASIC, it, it realises this piece is quite important. That's right. All, yeah. all of these are pieces to a puzzle. Yeah. Um, and I think as, you know, we discussed at the conference, it's it's a bit of a blunt instrument to get directors' attention because sometimes they don't look at these reports either. Um, but it's a way of saying, yes, it's complex. Yes, it is sometimes difficult to quantify behaviours and conduct and get an understanding for culture. But it's not impossible there are methodologies out there and if you don't do it then we'll give you a dollar cost for that we'll tell you exactly how much it's going to cost or it's going to keep growing so you know we've had cba with the austrack fine that's that's all very well that the good news for stakeholders were that they still turned a profit but imagine the profit they would have had if they hadn't have had to pay for 540 million dollars right and you know the recent um ANZ uh, downgrading of their profit um, and that's you know in part due to the remediation costs a hundred million dollars in this year has been paid back to customers they should have had it in the first place and then there will be costs on top of that of having to implement a remediation program so these are very real costs so they're your costs of non-compliance let's not worry about surveys about the costs of compliance because if it's done well it has an immediate ROI. Right, um, and, you know, that's been unquantifiable because when you get it right, you don't get a fine, so you don't know what the fine would have been. We've now got some really tangible figures about how much it costs to remediate. Don't worry about, um, you know, a fine from a regulator. How much does it cost to fix up the mess? Yeah. Yeah, fix your image in the public eye. And that's everything. right. And that, that's just even one step. Yeah. These are... These are these aren't even the PR costs, the marketing costs that will be on top of that remediation. This is straight remediation costs to have to contact customers and rectify um, a mistake that's occurred. All right. Well, everyone, look out for this series. Um, we'll be jumping a bit deeper. We might even have, I guess, some other guests. Look, I, I'd really like to invite some of our members on because, again, I've been invited to speak to some boards recently and they are struggling with getting this feel for how you could ongoingly collect um, metrics about this and get an understanding for that. And I really think that our members have been at this coal face for a number of years and have some really creative solutions to that. Um, and there, there are loads of data sources in organisations that will give you a hint at conduct um, and distill down into the Royal Commission. It was very, very apparent that there are some key indicators there if you want to look for them. Um, and it's just setting up a system to be able to do that ongoingly. So I'm pretty sure our members will have ideas on this. We'd love for you to contact us if you'd like to participate in this series. Um, but it's all around next time ASIC runs a report like this, we don't want them making comments about, you know, the accompanying metric, uh, metrics for non-financial risk were immature compared to those for financial risk. We know there's ways of doing this out there and um, our members can lead the way in this. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, Naomi. You're welcome. This podcast was a production of the Governance, Risk and Compliance Institute and the music was produced by Rob Neary.